What's the time? It's time to get ill. What's the time? It's time to get ill. So what's the time? It's time to get ill. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Illiteracy Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Benson, a senior policy analyst at the Heartland Institute, a national free market think tank. And uh, this is episode 120 or 30-something of the podcast. I honestly have no idea what uh, number it is anymore. I should probably get better at that sort of stuff. But anyway, point being, uh, not a very new podcast anymore. Uh, But for those of you just tuning in for the first time, basically what we do here in the podcast is I... uh, essentially invite an author on to uh, discuss a book of theirs that's been uh, newly published or recently published uh, on a topic or a person or a thing or something like that that we think you uh, guys would like to hear a conversation about. And then at the end of the podcast or, you know, even in the middle of the podcast, if you get your druthers about you, hopefully you go out and purchase the book yourself and uh, give it a read. So if you like this podcast, please consider giving Illiteracy a five-star review at Apple Podcasts. Or wherever you listen to the show, and also by sharing with your friends, as that's the uh, best way to support programming like this. And my guest today is Miss Teresa Mull, and Miss Mull is an assistant editor at the Spectator World and a policy advisor for education here at the Artland Institute. And she's also a part-time editor of the Phillipsburg Journal. Her writings have also appeared in the New York Times, the New York Post, the Los Angeles Times, the Miami Herald. The Baltimore Sun, the Philadelphia Inquirer, and the Detroit News, among others. And she collects her writings at theamericanfrontporch.com. And lastly, she is the author of Woke Proof Your Life, a handbook on escaping modern political madness and shielding yourself and your family by living a more self-sufficient, fulfilling life. Which uh, will be published, um, hopefully we're going to get it out on the day it's published, uh, August 15th, uh, by uh, Sophia Institute Press. Um, so if, it's, if you're listening to this and it's not August 15th, it probably won't be before August 15th. It'll be after August 15th that you're listening to this, because uh, I don't think we'll do it beforehand. But anyway, uh, point is, it's released, it's been published in late August by Sophia Institute Press, and is the book we will be discussing today. So, Teresa, Tess, thank you very, very much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Also, people can pre-order my book, so don't yeah. be shy, guys. Yeah, that, though I don't think, uh, like I said, I think this will be out when the book is actually out. But if it's not, you can pre-order the book. If it's okay. not August 15th, yeah, you can pre-order it. I know they're big on the pre-orders. But um, anyway, um, all right, so the book itself, what uh, what made you want to write this book? What was, uh, what was the genesis of it? How did you know or how did you come to figure out that you, you know, you wanted to write about this and, you know, put something down on paper and, and give people a uh, sort of uh, uh, how-to guide on how to live a, a life as, a, as a woke-free as possible. There were several things that inspired me, um, one of which is I bought a bottle of shampoo, my favorite shampoo. It smells delicious. I, I thought you were about to ha- say a bottle of champagne and that you got drunk and that's how you decided to do it oh 
that would have been a better story. I'm going to start saying that. Uh, yes, I bought a bottle of champagne and I looked down and there was a rainbow flag on it. And it was just like the final straw. I was just so sick of every aspect of my life involving wokeness. And I was just like, is there no escape? So that was one thing. Another thing is that I had uh, moved uh, about six years ago now back to my hometown in central Pennsylvania. And I've lived in a few big cities here and there. And I really feel like I've found contentment and happiness as much as is possible in this earthly struggle um, here in this small town. And what I love about it is that it's pretty woke proof. And I look at the rest of the world. I watch the news and there just seems to be so much strife and turmoil. And I think to myself, well, I don't really experience that where I live. What's different about it here? And it is the fact that we're a little slower paced here. We're uh, definitely more conservative than most places. And we just don't have that sociopolitical struggle that you see in a lot of places. And so I, uh, I miss the good old days that mm-hmm. that we still have going on here where I live. But that are are fading away from from most places in America. And I thought, you know, I have this kind of beautiful life that I enjoy that's pretty stress free, that's um that's away from all the the woke nonsense. How do I give that to other people who don't live in a small town? You know, in my dream world everybody would live in like a cute little Phillipsburg. I realize that's not possible, but there's plenty that you can do to adopt at least kind of a small town woke proof uh, mindset anyway, even if it's, it's, um, if it's not, you know, in a, in a physically woke proof place. So that's, Mm -hmm. that's what inspired me. I was just sick of seeing, I'm sick of seeing everybody anxious and stressed out and angry and fighting about stuff all the time. And I just want everybody to chill and get back to those traditions that have uh, fulfilled us and made America a great place to live. So that's what inspired me. Um, shampoo slash champagne and um, angry people. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, <laughs> I wa- <laughs> yeah, I want to talk to you a little bit about like uh, a little bit later on uh, how much of this like woke stuff is actually happening in real life. But uh, before we get to that, I think it's probably important uh, because this is that we, um, or I guess you, since it's your book, um, that you give us a definition of what wokeness is or what woke is, you know, what, 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 what does being woke mean? Because there seems to be, um, no sort of, uh, or it seems to be like there's not <laughs> a lot of consensus on what, you know, quote unquote wokeness is. So, uh, what it, Why don't you give us your uh, definition of woke and wokeness? Right. Well, I have a couple different things I tell people. Um, In a nutshell, wokeness is a form of evil. You know, we look at the fruits that wokeness is bringing about, and it is that stress, anxiety, addiction, um, just neighbors fighting with one another, treating each other more as enemies and competition than as neighbors trying to help one another thrive. So it's a form of evil. Um, it's there's nothing new about wokeness other than the extremity of it all. Um, you know, it's. It's basically, I've been saying, um, political correctness on steroids. So it's all these these principles of radical progressivism just taken to the extreme. So my official book definition is wokeness, noun, 
socio-political ideology characterized by the manipulation of noble goals by tyrannical left-wing zealots for the purpose of controlling and destroying American society. So it's uh, it's radical liberalism is what wokeness is. It's just given this name, which I think is actually interestingly enough, uh, the left is actually turn- turning against the term woke because <laughs> it's the term that a lot of conservatives and traditional minded people are using to label anything uh, liberal and bad, which it is. Um, but they don't like that because we have a label for it now. Mm-hmm. And they're the ones who are always making the labels. So it is like a, a, a kind of a generic vague term, but I would say that's on purpose by the people who created it because they're always putting like vague, wishy-washy, easy-breezy terms on the evil that they enact uh, because they're smoke screens. So... If you don't know what your enemy is exactly, it's pretty hard to fight against it. So the term woke is intentionally vague, um, but we know what it is. Uh, I had a guy in the book, I asked everybody I interviewed, do you know what woke means? And everyone would kind of, you know, lots of people had an idea, but this guy said, I'm not sure what it is, but I know it's bad. And it reminded me of the uh, porn, yeah, Yeah. porn, you know, (laughs) I know it when I see it. So basically woke is like, porn for your mind you know it's uh, it's bad it's destructive it's evil <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh you have a the book provides actually a acronym since we're um sort of identifying uh putting labels on things um you have an acronym in the book for for the um i guess the the non-woke or um <laughs> Uh, the silent majority or whatever you want to call it for the, so essentially for the non-woke. Uh, why don't you tell us about, uh, about that uh, uh, acronym and what it means and what it stands for? Yeah. Uh, my acronym is normal. I self-identify as a normal person. Not, not, you know? not normal is in the national association for the reform of marijuana laws. Not that normal. It's normal with the, uh, I would like to reform some marijuana laws back to making (laughs) marijuana illegal. I know that might not be a popular uh, (laughs) view here, but um, yeah, that's a different topic. But normal to me is non-woke, ordinary, rational, moral American leader. That's what normal stands for in my mind, because I just feel like we've we're arguing about like, can a man breastfeed? Can a man give birth? Wait, 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 wait a minute. It's not breastfeed. It's chest feed chest feed that's i can't even say that word so i'm not not. um so yeah uh just this craziness that didn't even exist i don't even think like three years ago like pre-covid and i'm like can we get back to being normal like is that okay to say um lots of people are like i'm not woke or non-woke i'm just sane i'm like yeah you're rational you're a rational person you see the world for how it is you see reality you recognize it we can talk about it but we've gotten so far off path that i would like to bring back the term normal um to mean rational and ordinary and just you know, living life like uh, humans were designed to do, and as we did th- a whole three years ago. That's mm-hmm. what that's what normal is, yeah. Yeah, and speaking of COVID, um, do you think uh, the whole pandemic situation, the lockdown, and all that? Do you think that had an effect on this? I, I it's hard for me um, because I was uh, COVID. The whole uh, situation, I was sort of like. Um, insulated from it so i didn't really like notice it too much because one i work remotely and then two 
um, my son was born literally like a week in, in late February 2020. So like literally like a week before they started like shutting everything down. But I, I, I didn't really like have time to like notice or like care very much because I was just like, I wasn't going to be going out and doing anything anyway because I was just, you know, raising a, a newborn and <laughs> you don't have time really for anything else. Um, and plus I'm also down here in Florida and Florida was, uh, for the most part, relatively uh lockdown proof uh, so to speak so like the the whole covid um like 2020 2021 like that whole thing really wasn't like i just didn't notice much out of the ordinary you've just been because... normal all this time is that what you're telling us <laughs> no but I'm, I'm just saying like uh, <clears throat> but i know it seems like a lot of people had a real tough problem i mean granted you know you hear these stories of people who you know had relatives or somebody you know in the hospital dying or something like that and they couldn't even like go into uh you know to see their parents or their or uh you know or spouse or something like that while they were you know literally on their deathbed um uh just to you know say goodbye or just to give them comfort or or just to see them or anything like that and you know just lots of other things and like i said i've sort of just because of my work situation and just because my life situation at the time like i said i was just at home with a baby so i you know i wasn't you know like it was like my social life didn't you know i had no like social life at the time really because just it's, it's in that period where you don't really have a social life just because you have a newborn. So, like I said, I didn't really notice it, but it. Um, but we keep hearing about the, uh, um, or I guess it's pretty documented, well documented about the anxiety uh, that the whole situation, uh, that the lockdown has caused, the increases in loneliness and just uh, apathy and uh, uh, mental illness and all this sort of thing. Do you think? covid and uh you know the after effects of of the pandemic do you think that helped fuel uh this uh, woke uh fire so to speak absolutely and it's funny that you say um having a baby kind of insulated you from all this because having a family and um, taking care of your home life is one of the recommendations I give to woke proof your life. You know, if you're busy taking care of a child, loving your family, um, seeing to those natural needs of nurturing um, your faith and your family and your home life and your neighborhood, you're not um, starting woke wars and division and fighting with people online to no end. Um, so that, that's funny that you say that. Um, yeah, I think absolutely COVID set the perfect stage for wokeness. Um, people, as you said, were, were afraid. They were depressed. They were seeing um, their friends and family get ill, but also they were being told you can't see your friends and family at all. Um, it was really uh, a stage in, in right. I mean, time. You know, I mean, if you leave the house, you're going to kill grandma. If you don't wear a right. mask, you're going to kill grandma. Uh, you know, if you, <laughs> if you let yeah. your kids play in the park, the kids could bring home a disease, you know, bring home a germ that kills grandma. Uh, you know, I mean, just like stuff. I mean, so even so, uh, uh, you know, just um, basically anything you do other than sitting in the house, uh, you know, <laughs> essentially by yourself or uh, maybe just quarantining with like a family member or two, 
uh, is dangerous and going to get people killed. You will have blood in your hands if you were uh, selfish enough to not to do or to not do what we tell you to do. Right. So people's emotions were already heightened with fear um, because of all the confusion and misinformation, everything that surrounded COVID. And then we were told to stay home. And we have seen um, that screen addiction has been like an untalked about uh, real crisis among Mm. Americans. Like people are using their phones now more than ever. And a lot of that started because of the lockdown because people just got addicted to looking at phone because they weren't allowed to do anything else really. I mean, of course we were allowed to, to read and and edify ourselves and do, but nobody did. Everyone like got drunk and baked bread and like got addicted (laughs) to TikTok. (laughs) So, so you have this fear, you have people getting addicted to their phone. And in the book, I argue that wokeness kind of lives and dies online because Mm -hmm. You go out in the real world, you go to the local country club, you play golf with your buddies, you go have a few drinks at the at the corner pub, whatever it is. Um, you're not talking about like, oh, I identify as a cloud and my skin color makes me, um, you know, superior to you. You owe me reparations like that stuff doesn't really exist whenever you're just having a good time with your neighbors. You know, whenever you yeah. see and experience what you have in common with other people. But if you're not doing that, as we see with so many people addicted to their screens, um, it's uh, it's this world that is pretty artificial and uh, invented and it's online, but it comes, it manifests itself in the real world. You know, we see people anxious, stressed out. We see people making really crazy woke demands. Um, we see legislation coming about. We see what's happening at the local school board. So I think it, it really comes to light to life. Um, it's I say it's born and bred and festers online, especially mm. on social media that can censor and cancel you if you're not uh, talking the woke talk. So um, obviously a big part of woke proofing your life is also putting down your phone and not exposing yourself to the propaganda and trying to get your friends to do the same. Um, and then also so much of wokeness is it's essentially uh, worshiping the self, which is kind of, uh, you know, the essence of what evil is, is uh, being selfish. Every sin is uh, is because you're acting in a selfish way. And wokeness really counts on people to be obsessed with themselves. You know, how mm-hmm. did you offend me? You know, it's all about one person's ego, all about yeah, the self because you take God out of the picture. Yeah. yeah. So um, people are egocentric. They are spending time online, virtue signaling. They don't have God in their lives for for um, for so many years now. We've seen our belief in, in Christianity and in God plummet. I just saw another report that it's dropped to even lower lows. So what do you have left? Uh, just this wokeness that comes in and says, I'll give you meaning and purpose here. Um, post that Black Lives Matter and you'll get some likes and you'll feel better about yourself for like five seconds. Um, and of course, that doesn't work. And that's why we, we have this national mental health crisis that we see now and why yeah. our society is so miserable. Yeah, I mean, it really is uh, sort of a, a faith or some sort of ersatz faith that, you know, it's a faith, but it's a faith that, uh, that doesn't provide any sort of mechanism for for forgiveness or redemption you know there's there's uh repentance i mean there's continual repentance but there's you know never any absolution 
uh, anyway, but yeah, but I you, when you say it, it lives and dies online, I I, I think that's very true because it seems it seems like social media is sort of the the oxygen that wokeness needs to to breathe, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's really it's really almost an invention of the smartphone and social media in a way. Like it just it wouldn't like without it, it just would not be a thing. I mean, because like I said, it's it because really. I mean, I'm sure this is not true for everybody. I mean, uh, maybe in cities and places that are, you know, extremely uh, blue, uh, you know, it might be different. But like, um, you know, I live in a, a, it's not a small, I mean, it's a medium-sized city here in Florida. That's about uh, 50,000 people. And uh and the city is um, uh, there's more black residents in the city than than white, and it's about like thirty. I think it's about forty percent black, thirty percent white, and the rest, uh, you know, Hispanic and Asian, all that stuff. But um, so it's very. Um, I mean, I'm not going to say it's uh, you know completely uh, integrated or anything like that, but I mean it's you know. Uh, <laughs> Uh, black and white people and Hispanic people, um, you know, are in contact with each other every day. You know, uh, you, if you just go out among town, you're just going to be, you know, uh, if you go out to a bar, you go out to a restaurant, anything like that. I mean, that's just how it is. Like, none of this stuff ever comes up. Uh, like, you know, like I've never seen like any of this like wokeness uh you know be a problem uh anywhere in town you know i've never i've never gone out and been introduced to somebody and then be like hi you know my pronouns are you know she they or he you know he him or you know what i mean like it's just none of this stuff like actually like happens like all the like the woke shit that you know gets uh you know that gets started online like in real life um, you know, where regular people are just like trying to live their lives and, you know, you know, pay their mortgage or pay their rent, put food on the table and, you know, uh, get the kids to school or to baseball practice or, uh, you know, uh, help a neighbor with something or, um, it just seems like there's not real like time for it, you know, or I don't know, like it's just, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just like all, it's just all imaginary, like online, um, nonsense. And if, um, and if like, if you're not online, really, like if you're not on social media, if you don't pay attention to any of this stuff, like you're not going to be, uh, it's never going to like come into like contact with your life in any sort of meaningful way. Like most likely, um, I did see a video a couple days ago where this, uh, I think it was like a Sonic or something. Did you see this? It was like some, the, the guy who's like the manager of the Sonic. This is like Hispanic guy, like, like not a, like clearly not someone who was like a college educated, like, uh, dude who would like be up on whatever the latest, like pronouns are supposed to be, or like what you're supposed to call people or, you know, uh, that sort of thing. And was getting basically like harassed, uh, by a, 
think it was a trans what is the one where it's oh it was like a guy who you know thinks he's a woman and was like upset that like they didn't uh refer to him as a woman or something like that and um he was just like berating this poor, <laughs> poor hispanic uh you know uh blue collar restaurant worker uh about you know correct pronoun usage or everything and, like you could just tell like that this stuff was just like that this guy was just like, what on earth are we talking about? What is going on here? Like, he was just, like, trying very nice to, like, be polite and everything. But, you know, it was just like, hey, he did not have, like, the correct nomenclature, um, you know, that th- this person thought that they should have in this situation and was just getting berated for it. So, like, I guess, like, in something like that, it can come up. But, I mean, but for the most part, like, this is just something that, like, you can literally just, like, tune out of and and it will not affect you for the most part yeah i call it unforced stress in the book like you know in tennis how there's unforced errors which is where your opponent doesn't have you know an ace or anything like that you just mess up because you you're being dumb um i see a lot of the wokeness like yeah you will encounter it here and there but there's been statistics, um, which I imagine are exaggerated because they come from um, woke media outlets. But, but they say that only like a third of people in the U.S. identify as woke. And then you see what happened with the Bud Light backlash and um, Target and mm-hmm. Dodger Stadium and all this stuff. Like most Americans are like, I just want to go watch a baseball game. I just right. want to go buy my groceries and not see like a trans activist drinking my beer. You know, it's like, this isn't, they really, since the left and the woke do control the media and control and own so much of social media as well as in addition to mainstream news, you would think that it's everywhere. Like you watch TV, you would think that like everybody is trans or gay or whatever. And it's like, mm, no, this is mostly just like this imaginary world. But Oh yeah. Yeah. It's like if you, um, there's like all these polls, like they ask people like, uh, um, you know, like the, just how many, you know, what percentage of the population do you think is, is gay? Right. And it's actually probably around like just statistically probably around like, five six seven percent something like that but if you ask like if you ask people like conservatives or like liberals where like how much what like what percent of the population you think it's gay um you know they'll answer like i don't know like 30 40 you know 40 percent something like that like but that's just because like it's just because it's just talked about so much and it's um and it's it's so much a part of media and culture now and um, you know, that it, the people overestimate, um, how, you know, overestimate it just because it's in their face all the time. Yeah. And even if you don't agree with it or identify with it in any way, it is hard to avoid. Like I said, with my shampoo example, um, and a lot of the reason I would ask people, I ask people who are living woke proof lives already, um, like locally here in my little town and they weren't quite sure what it is. Like they'd heard of it, but like you said, you know, if you're not online, you're not watching Mm -hmm. the, the mainstream left wing media, you, you can pretty much just like not be a part of the whole woke thing, but it, it does have a sneaky way of, um, poisoning our, our minds and our eyes and our souls and our senses by being so, uh, 
omnipresent because because of the media, because they're so well-funded and they are so loud, but they are outnumbered, definitely. Um, so I think that if people do do as I say in the book and woke-proof their lives and stand up to the woke co- corporations and to stop engaging with the woke activists, like, you know, it takes two to fight and we mm-hmm. do need, it is our duty to stand up for the truth and for virtue and to be role models, but you don't have to spend all day every day like arguing with like a Twitter troll about yeah. um, whether a man can lactate or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. like a lot of that is just wasted breath and it's making a lot of people who are traditionally minded um, aggravated to, to no purpose. You know, that's mm-hmm. where I think the devil comes in and why it's really evil because a lot of people almost kind of make this as their job to like fight wokeness on online and, and, um, yeah. I don't think that's a productive use of time. I mean, yeah. if it's robbing you of your peace and taking you away from loving your family and enjoying your friends and neighbors and like contributing to to society, then it's it's an it's a net negative and the woke are winning even if they're not converting you and your mindset, so to speak. So we have to be really careful about how much we let wokeness affect us. Um, mm. Yeah, because I mean, obviously you can't fight everywhere all the time 24 7 365 i mean I, I i guess you could but you know like as you said that would be uh i can only imagine how mentally and spiritually exhausting <laughs> it would be to do that and you know it distracts us from as you said from uh from nobler from nobler work from uh you know from seeing all of uh, the wonder and beauty that is in our world. Um, but, but how do we know, in your opinion, you know, how do we know, how do you know what, uh, or how we should know what battles we should fight and which ones we steer, should steer clear of? And, you know, how do, how do we know when to engage or when to not engage or to disengage? No, when to hold them and no one to fold them. Yeah. No, <laughs> when, when to walk, walk away. away yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, I think there's a lot of, uh, there's kind of like two or three tiers of woke people. There's the woke puppet masters who know exactly what they're doing. They basically have sold their souls. They're just going to do or say whatever it takes to gain earthly power and riches like, People like Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi come to mind. Like the big powerful people are just, you know, doing whatever, saying whatever. They don't care. Um, then there's people, the next tier I would say, who maybe kind of believe it a little bit, but they're just like, you know what, I want to get tenure at Sarah Lawrence College. I'm just going to go along with the DEI thing or whatever, you know. They, mm. they, maybe don't believe it wholeheartedly, but they're not quite as evil using other people um, to to wicked ends as the puppet masters. And then there are people who are kind of caught up who actually believe that the woke talking points are good and that they make sense. And, you know, I point to things like uh, Black Lives Matter. Of course, Black Lives Matter. Of course, diversity, equity, and inclusion are good things. Of course, we should be governing the environment responsibly. Like they use all these really vague terms. Love is love. Oh, that's so nice. Like who can argue with that? But then whenever you look at what the fruits of the woke movement are, they're, they're none of those things. They're actually just ways to, to benefit those puppet masters at the very top. But don't forget that those people 
a lot of people have been taken in by these very clever, cunning, manipulative um, uh, leaders in the woke movement. So whenever you encounter someone and you're talking to them, you're debating with them, you're revealing the truth in a gentle, compassionate way, trying to convince them that wokeness is bad and wrong, you can you can figure out pretty quickly whether somebody's attitude is open to truth and whether they are receptive to logic, you know, mm-hmm. um, or if they are just just doing it for their own gain, if they're just doing it, um, you know, to to get Instagram likes or, or whatever it is, you know, you can tell somebody's intention pretty easily. And uh, I, I would encourage people, I'm a religious person to pray for discernment. You know, if you have a family member or a friend who just won't listen to logic or reason, but you believe that they have a good heart and, and that they can be changed, um, you know, just ask for guidance and how to approach those people. But you have to arm yourself with truth and virtue and be educated in, um, educated yourself so that whenever you go out into the woke world, you have these, uh, these truths and scripture and all the good stuff kind of in your quiver so that whenever you encounter wokeness, you can be like, oh, nope, that's not true. And here's why. And I have all these truth bombs that I can drop on you. And, <laughs> you know, mm. um, yeah, I just you just just evaluate people, see if they believe if in truth at all, if it's if it's relative to them and um, and go from there. Mm. And you had a, a pretty good analogy in the book or for that basically uh, being woke proof is like being waterproof. Uh, yes. what, what do you, what do you mean by that exactly when I explain that to people? Yeah, I think a lot of people are tempted myself included to kind of stick your head in the ground and hide from wokeness and pretend it doesn't exist. Um, which maybe it'll, it'll flicker out and go away in time, but there will be people, especially young people who will be lost in the woke storm if we don't stand up and do something. So I would, uh, I would encourage people not to just hide from wokeness, but to put on a woke-proof mindset and spirit, so to speak. So um, you think about being waterproof, you're wearing a really great like Gore-Tex jacket, you have maybe a cool <laughs> waterproof hat, um, waterproof wellies, a really great umbrella so that you can go out into the storm and not be affected by it. Um, and that's what woke proofing your life is about. It's about putting on, um, uh, armor that's, um, that's knowledge of truth, of, of having virtue. You are learned so that whenever you go out there, you can talk to people intelligently. And, um, it's about, having hobbies and using the skills and talents that you've been given to to make the world a better place rather than just a place where you see your neighbor as somebody who's either woke or not woke. Um, so another aspect of woke proofing I write about is conscientious consuming. So uh, that there's, there's ways to boycott that won't drive you crazy. I promise you look at the list of woke corporations that can be pretty intimidating. And as I say, you know, tempt you to kind of want to become Amish and go off the grid and do everything yourself, but you don't have to. And I have tips for, for how to do that in a way that um, makes it so that your family doesn't hate you um, and you're st- still able to enjoy life. So those are some of the things, obviously, also, I write a lot about um, having a relationship with God and 
asking him to help you not lose your mind in this chaotic world. You know, it says all throughout scripture that we are to put our hope and our trust and our faith in God and not to lose our inner peace. And so much of what the woke movement brings about is exactly that uh, anxiety, stress, all the depression, um, the mental health crisis is a result of people losing their inner peace. So we need to to get that peace back and um, and regain our 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 sanity basically. Yeah. Um, it seems, I mean, basically the, uh, the whole broad just of reading your book, the thing that you keep harping on or not harping, maybe that's a poor choice of words, but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the thing you keep sort of, uh, pointing toward the, the thing that really, uh, is the uh, antidote to all this stuff is um, is basically by just uh, cultivating community, you know, mm-hmm. by uh, strengthening it, by building it, um, you know, something that you know we should seek to prioritize uh, in our lives is you know. Uh, uh, is basically to making sure that the places that we live and that we spend most of our time are not just places. They actually are, uh, communities and, um, uh, you know, and doing so getting to know your neighbors and, and that sort of thing. Um, it's, uh, it leads to, uh, more understanding of people. Oh, I hear picking in the background there, I guess. Uh, <laughs> he just stood up and shook a little bit. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, no, that's fine. Um, you know, uh, it, uh, it leads to more uh, empathy towards others, but not in a, uh, not in sort of like the uh, uh, therapeutic meaning of that word or, or, or even as, as far as toxic empathy, which you talk about in the book, but it just, um, like I said, cultivating community just leads to, um, uh, sort of just a better life for everybody involved in, you know, your little, your little, uh, plot of land, wherever you may be. And, um, so, um, you know, what ways can we go out there to uh, cultivate uh, a community, to to build it, to strengthen it, so that way it becomes uh, sort of a bulwark against all these, um, you know, uh, woke forces or uh, things like that? Yeah, we're called to be a light to the world, to go out and spread our joy and our optimism and our cheer and really to to help one another and the way that wokeness isolates people it divides them you know Mm -hmm. that's that's a lot of what we saw with covid was isolating people physically literally um keeping them away from one another and then stoking (laughs) division yeah oh sorry sorry to interrupt but uh it just popped into my head maybe um do you remember it was like a couple years ago um there was a woman, I, I forget what paper she wrote for. Uh, she wrote an article or like an op-ed or something, a, a column 
about how they were, they had like this big like snowstorm or something like that and like her she's obviously like a progressive woman and like her uh her like very trumpy like winger uh neighbors like across the street uh had like gone and and just basically um just like shoveled her driveway yeah out of uh you know just kindness and like had like shoveled like the driveways of like you know half the block basically <laughs> that morning and she <laughs> yeah. was like i'm so conflicted about this by you know because like i should hate these people uh because they don't see you know because we, we don't see eye to eye politically and, and and i abhor what they stand for politically and all that but like it was such a really nice gesture and like <laughs> it's like it's just like so funny to like see that um you know or just to even like find that like disconcerting like to have like that sort of like mentality to uh you know to just like not like somebody because <laughs> they because they voted for the other team you know what i mean and and, and can and like can't get beyond that uh, even when they go out of their way to like do something like incredibly uh, uh, nice for you or like you can't like um, you know or how that couldn't like lead you to like reevaluate you know, what uh, you know how you judge people and how you think of people and all that sort of thing I don't know it's just uh, I thought that was a pretty funny article yeah it's crazy that it's gotten to that point but i think that's an attitude i think a lot of people from both sides of the political aisle can relate to you know you see someone with a rainbow flag outside their house and you like turn away and you're like oh i could never be friends with that person or whatever and that's because uh so much of our society has become politicized mm-hmm. um you're almost obliged now to take a stance uh, either pro or against wokeness and everything you do, whereas talking about religion and politics used to be considered rude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now it's it's everywhere. So what I encourage people to do in woke-proofing their lives is to find those things that gets you and your neighbors outside of the political spectrum. Um, so I talked to a guy in the book who is uh, leading a big old house restoration community and he's like you know whenever you're restoring your old house you're talking about like should i paint the trim you know what what are what should i um you know use on my roof to make sure that it's period correct like you're talking about all these other things and even if you you're republican the other person's democrat it it never comes into the conversation it doesn't matter because you're talking about these other higher things Mm -hmm. like Yes, politics is a necessary evil sometimes, um, but whenever you're not focused on that stuff and you're not allowing wokeness and all the craziness that's happening in our world that we've allowed to happen um, to overshadow the beauty and goodness of our world and Mm. to consume you, if you're not agitated and distracted by it, you can focus on all these other wonderful things, including, you know, the sense of humor of the guy who lives down the block, you know, just just simpler things, just getting back to the stuff that we have in common as human beings and that we all enjoy, you know, the beauty of nature, the great smell of a freshly mowed lawn, um, 
delicious hot dogs that you can grill up in your backyard and give one to your neighbor. You know, stuff like that, just like that simple, good, old-timey thing, slower-paced, um, that's not existing on your cell phone, that's not existing on the TV, um, and it it just creates a more harmonious community, fortifies virtue, brings back really respecting one another. It really does come back to service and um, celebrating life and uh you know, just treating others how you want to be treated. Do you want your neighbor to look at you and say, um, you know, you're you're prejudiced or you're racist or you're discriminating against me or you're this or you're that? Like, no, you just want to see that person as a person who's struggling mm-hmm. in life just like you are and maybe needs a smile or needs a hand with something. And we just really need to change our attitude the way we look yeah. at one another. Like, uh, yeah, like literally, like who honestly cares? Like, who you're, like, I want my neighbors to be like nice people and good neighbors. You know, uh, like to be neighborly and, you know, not to be crap neighbors, you know, <laughs> like, so I don't, I don't, I don't care. Um, you know, I, I would, I would, if the choice was living amongst a bunch of Republicans who were like not very neighborly and a bunch of like super hardcore progressive liberals who were like extremely neighborly and we had like a functioning neighborhood. I would take, I would, I would be the token <laughs> conservative guy in that neighborhood all day long. I like, I just, you know, I want to just be around good people, uh, you know, one way or the other. Like, actually, I'm, I'm kind of like, like part of me, like fingers crossed, like wants to turn like my neighborhood into like sort of like a, like a, uh, uh, like a gay haven resort, uh, uh, just for like the property value aspects <laughs> because I live on a, I live on an island and you know I mean you know where I live and uh, so it's very like small but like if I could just get like all these like gays into like gentrifying the neighborhood and like you know fix about <laughs> fix up a lot of the uh, the parts of it that are you know not that great um, that would be fantastic like I would love that um, and just for no other reason than my bottom line but um but no uh yeah i get it it's just um i i i kind of i i'm trying to like i figure out when exactly everything started becoming like like or politics came to like really people starting letting their politics like define them uh and like sort of like make them a character you know like i i'm going to be like this like kind of you know i'm going to be this super political person that you know just um just uh does this sort of stuff all day like was it the rise of cable news uh or was it social media itself i, I think probably more uh, like the smartphone or not even like social media just like the smartphone and having it like in your pocket like with you all friggin' day long um you know the the really uh all if all those things together did it but like it seems like like when i was a kid like there weren't like i'm sure there were but there weren't that many like people who like their politics was like their all-consuming thing and now it seems like there are people on you know not just like the woke or whatever but it's people like it's just like on both sides of the of the political spectrum that are uh like that and uh i remember like i went to see an attorney a few years ago and like i walked in the guy's office and like everything in it was like 
political like his <laughs> they had a dog in the office and the dog had like a political like collar and everything and it was just like it's like yeah dude this is like this is just too consuming you know like you don't need like all this stuff to be in like everybody's face like all the time like you have other facets of your personality you don't need to be you know um the the political guy 24 7 you know what i mean like it's just um it and i don't know what we can do i mean other than just like a conscious decision to like turn that sort of stuff off and be off social media and not watch like cable news and all that sort of stuff i don't really know how we're gonna fix that problem yeah i think there's a a few things that kind of cause the rise of politicization um i think like you said having phones in your pocket at all times made people think about all the political social political stuff more because you are constantly getting alerts on your phone you're constantly exposed to it if you allow yourself and then also social media kind of what i think i have a friend who's a psychiatrist he said this to me he pointed out i hadn't really thought about it but it kind of compels people to think that their opinion is important and valid and matters right, <laughs> like right. you used to have like pat buchanan and like five other people who would talk about politics on tv and you're like okay well you're informed you've lived in dc you know how this works you know the game like yes please talk about it because you actually know what you're talking about but now like everybody has twitter everybody has a platform Mm -hmm. and everybody feels compelled to express their opinion i'm like really i i don't care what like joe schmo thinks because he's not an excerpt but you know yeah it does compel right, people yeah. and that again goes kind of back to like the ego thing it's just like i matter i i have an account i should put my voice out there and mm-hmm. it's like maybe not um and also again it's hard to harp on the whole covid thing but it did kind of divide people into vax and not vaxxed like that was a really big thing that i don't know if we've really seen that in our in our history before um where you know, all of a sudden your neighbor, like, are you wearing a mask? Or are you not? Like, are you a mask person? Are you a mm-hmm. vax? Like, it became like this identity thing. And oh, yeah. Divided but, people into. But yeah, that so. was also like the, that thing I, that really, I think that came down to all the politics, too, because, you know, if you remember before before the election, so in 2020, uh, before Trump lost and we doing all this stuff and they were developing the vaccine the covid vaccines and trump was talking it up you had all these democrats and be like yeah i don't trust that and like you know like oh i'm skeptical of the the vaccine like and kamala harris is all like i'm not taking the trump vaccine you know she called it like the trump vaccine right and then and then all the wingers at the time were all like pro vaccine and then all of a sudden trump loses and then there's but like the vaccine is out there and then like the democrats are um you know like pushing people to get the vaccine or then like like the tables just like sort of like flipped right like if trump had won in 2020 and trump was like telling everybody to go get the vaccine like all the democrats would have been like they have been for like ever would have been like the anti-vax like skeptics you know they they would have like kept up with that and all like the wingers would have been like get the vaccine you libs like uh, <laughs> like that's entire like if if trump like that's exactly what would have happened but because joe biden was telling them to like get the vaccine uh they were like no nope, not doing it and then all the democrats were like yeah you got to do it like it was just like all that was like completely just like politically oriented too you know that's all that yeah. stuff was 
I think it's been percolating for a while. And then COVID really was kind of like the volcano exploding of these tensions and the left getting more extreme um, and the right feeling the need to fight back. Like, as you said, people you never thought of being really political or not really paying that much attention. Like, there are flags in my town that are like, F Joe Biden. And like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's one that's down the street. It says like, uh, guns, guts and God and glory. I don't know. It's like all these things. And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) And I'm like, it doesn't say girls, but maybe it should. (laughs) Um, (laughs) like the fact that this guy just feels the need to put out this flag, like stating his principles and what Mm -hmm. he stands for, where like, I feel like that wasn't a thing three years ago. Like something definitely happened more recently. And Trump, of course, is pretty blunt, shall we say. I feel like a lot of Republicans in the past try to be like more polite and more, maybe not moderate, but, um, you know, just more maybe yeah like i don't know like you think of like the bushes and stuff they weren't as like hardcore and then trump just kind of like like went for it like went like wwf on like the political world and Mm -hmm. a lot of people related to that because they were just like sick of like the left taking ground taking ground making our our world our society more and more liberal and then all of a sudden they're like oh okay finally just like all gloves are off you know Mm -hmm. um all right, switching gears a little bit. Uh, I know we've gone a little long already, but uh, before we go, I wanted to uh, discuss this with you. So uh, why do you hate cities and the suburbs so much? <laughs> hate is a strong word. Mm-hmm. I, uh, why, I do you, why, do you, why do you extremely low, or maybe that's not even the right, why do you, uh, why do, why do you have antipathy, antipathy towards uh, cities and the burbs? So I do acknowledge in the book, listeners, <laughs> that I am probably just not tough enough to handle them. Like, I lived in D.C., I lived in Dallas, Texas, the Metroplex, and I was um, a grumpy, miserable person during that time in my life. But I do acknowledge there are city people who handle cities very well and who are cut out for it. But I really don't think that's most people. And you look at studies that have found um people who live in the country and in more rural places are happier. And I don't think that uh, humans are cut out for so much stimuli, which is, I think, another reason why social media or just, um, you know, smartphones in general have are wreaking such havoc on our mental health because we're not built to process like 600 million notifications a day and this much news and this much these Mm -hmm. many pictures of people you know all this stuff we're not made for that and i think that's kind of like what cities are you know so much traffic and noise and people and it's just it's exhausting so um i think that stresses people out i think it makes them look at their neighbors as competitors much like the woke movement does because you know there are only so many reservations at the restaurant there are only so many parking spaces only so many apartments to rent mm-hmm. um so you're always in competition with your neighbor more so than you are in the country um also green space is so good for you nature getting out in the woods which of course there are parks and things in the city um but i just don't think it's really how we were meant to live, which is not to say you have to pack up and move to the middle of central Pennsylvania. Please don't do that because I like that it's empty here. Um, <laughs> but 
you know, just just making a point to get to rural places and experiencing nature as you can if you are a city person, I think will do wonders for your mental health. Um, you know, in the countryside, in rural places, we take the time to look at one another in the eye, um, to talk to one another. There are also statistics I include in the book about how people who live in more rural places are more likely to call their neighbors, their friends, because you actually have the time to engage with them. You know, in a city, you pass a thousand people a day. You're not going to look up and smile at every single person. You're probably not going to look up and smile at any of them because you're in a hurry and there's just too much going on. So I think it's a, it's just a more natural, healthy, loving way to live is out in the sticks. Um, that said, of course, we have plenty of our own problems here. Um, but but it's much better. And the suburbs also, um, they take take people away from community. You know, they're kind of artificial, I find. Um, they're kind of more just like places where you go and sleep and eat and have convenience rather than somewhere that, you know, a lot of small towns and, and mm. older parts of the cities are built around like a city square and sidewalks and places that are made for being sociable and encountering your neighbor, seeing people you sit down on your porch and you chit chat and stuff. And, um, that's, that doesn't exist so much in, in suburbs and cities. So I don't see, I, I would have to disagree with you on that. Um, You're wrong. Just just as, (laughs) as a child of the burbs, um, actually I'm really more of a, I, I, it's, I guess it's a small in, in New Jersey. It's it's weird. I mean, because yes, technically like a small town, only about you know uh, four thousand people. Um, but uh, it's not even a town really. It's a borough. Um, but um, you know, but New New Jersey's very, uh, or at least uh, that part of it is very um, populous. Um, but uh, no, but I mean, just I, I just recall from. From being a kid in the burbs in suburban New Jersey, uh, you know, just uh, hell, you know, I knew practically everybody on the block. Uh, you know, all the kids knew each other. Um, you know, there were barbecues and cookouts and dinner and stuff. And I remember, you know, my dad, you know, on weekends doing out doing yard work and stuff, and then. Uh, you know, our neighbor next door would be out doing yard work and then, you know, they sort of like see each other and then just stop doing yard work and, you know, sit there and, and bullshit with each other for, you know, 20 minutes and crack a beer open and then, you know, get back to work and all that sort of stuff. So it, um, like I said, it wasn't, uh, I, I don't know if it's just different today or, I mean, this is, this was just because it was, you know, 30 years ago I and mean, this was, you know, when I was a kid, um, I'm a tad bit older than you, but so like the internet wasn't really like a thing until, you know, it was probably like 11 or 12 where like people started getting like the internet in their home. Um, and, uh, and back then it was just like dial up and everything kind of sucked on it anyway. But I mean, like when I was a little, uh, when I was a kid, when I was, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11, you know, we were out just out being kids all day long among, you know, out among ourselves, there was no cell phones, you know, there was no way for like our parents to like get in contact with us. You know, we came home to like, you know, nibble on something for lunch. And then we went back outside and we were playing baseball or football or, you know, playing basketball or out in the woods or, you know, playing hockey or something like that. And, 
you know, no parental, you know, no real uh, parental supervision. Although like the parents could probably figure out where we were just because everyone knew each other and everyone like it was, it's easier to be like a free range parent when there are like more kids around and there's just like more families around. You know what I mean? Just because like, um, you know, cause everyone is sort of cognizant of, of that thing, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it was in my experience, uh, you know, again, this is just an anecdote. This isn't data, um, that, uh, you know, that sort of stuff happens in the burbs too. And that's why people, you know, move to the burbs so they can get the, um, you know, it's a safe place to raise a family. Um, you know, you're amongst, for the most part, other families, other people, you know, of the same sort of, uh, means and jobs and experiences and, and, uh, and then, so I don't think that, I don't think like that, what you're describing is necessarily unique to, uh, you know, rural communities or anything like that. I think that's something that's pretty, um, well, uh, you know, I don't know. I haven't lived in a suburb in quite a long time, but um, I, I don't think that, like I said, I don't think that's something that's unique to uh, to rural areas. And then for cities, I mean, um, um, I think it's also a little. I mean, it's just a different experience of what uh, neighborliness is and like what community is, because um, you know, certain. Uh, you know, obviously you can't know everybody in the city, right? Cause there's just too many people. But I mean, I, in my experience, you know, a lot of people living in cities, like know the people that live on their floor in their building or, you know, live in different floors of their building or, you know, they're familiar with the, uh, you know, the guy at the bodega or, uh, you know, the butcher or the, or, or the baker or the, you know, any, like any of those neighborhoods, st- maker, just right. Like. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like, you know, any of those stores they frequent in their neighborhood and, um, you know, it's a little different in, uh, you know, the city I'm most familiar with in my life or that I spent the most time in my life is, uh, is New York city. Um, and you know, that's a lot of, that's a city where I've heard from people that aren't New Yorkers or aren't like used to it, that like, uh, it's very hard for them to like process, uh, New York, (laughs) I mean, cause it's just so, uh, fast paced and, uh, um, everything. And they, and you know, they just don't like that. Like people don't like look each other in the eyes and shit like that. And, uh, and then that's kind of true, but like New Yorkers, um, I find are, uh, they might not be nice, but they're kind, you know, like, um, it, like if you say like you're, you know, you had a flat tire on the side of the road or something like that. And like, you know, a New Yorker will like stop and be like, Hey jackass, you know, like you can't change your own tire. Here you go. Let me do it. You know, and like, it'll do it for you. Right. <laughs> or yeah. like, but like in, or say somewhere else, like, uh, Los Angeles or something like that, if you have a flat tire, you know, they'll have some subs like, Hey, uh, I see you got a flat tire there. That's too bad. All right. Well, uh, good luck with that. Well, uh, you know, hope you find somebody to fix it. That sort of thing. That's because as I point out in the book, there is Los Angeles is like the suburb of cities because it's so <laughs> spread out. So my point is that I love Los Angeles. Though. I, like you I, can have both extremes that are successful. So like my, 
point is that like people who live and work and play all within like a very um pretty close knit environment are the ones who are the happiest so like that's where the suburbs kind of are neither nor like yes you not to say that you know the happiness and and connectivity that you found in your particular suburb as a kid isn't possible and good but it's less likely i think that closer knit places uh, lend themselves more to a sense of community because um, you know, if you're in a city, you do go to the bodega, you see your neighbor downstairs, he's having a cookout, you go, you see him at the corner store, you see him on your walk to and from work, maybe you see him at work because you both work near each other, you see each other on a lunch break, you send your kids to the same school nearby, but the suburbs kind of like have uh, like a small town feel where you live but then they just kind of like suck off of a bigger city for all of the other things which I think is kind of artificial because like you go to the Walmart or the Lowe's or whatever to get your stuff but you're not like going to the little downtown market and getting to know um, the local grocer or um, any of the things that you would do in a in a country town or in a, a an older part of the city so Mm-hmm. I think I think that um, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I disagree. Anyway, um, all right, a couple more questions. So, um, getting back to wokeness in general and woke culture, uh, what um, I I know, like I said, we've talked about how overwhelming it can feel. All this stuff that's just coming at you all the time. Uh, but what tenets should you really focus on when you when you feel sort of trapped or uh, by woke culture or overwhelmed by woke culture? I would remind people that you are not alone, that the feeling that you're the only one is manufactured and invented by the woke masterminds who, as I said, you know, are very loud and well-funded but that's about it. You know, they're spreading this idea that wokeness is everywhere and everybody's trans and everybody's identifying as this and that. Um, but that's not true. There's still more sane, normal people than there are woke people. And um, whenever you start to get overwhelmed, put down your phone, go outside, take a walk in nature, appreciate. Touch the grass, beauty. as they say. Touch grass, uh, go talk to someone in real life, make eye contact, um, take up a hobby, uh, fortify your senses. You know, we're kind of, I harp on this a lot too. We've all been gifted with um, various talents and skills and and there's so much beauty in the world waiting for us to discover it. I think um, I didn't make that quote up, but I stole it. <laughs> um, so focus on that stuff and don't let the woke people bring you down and be a bummer because that's a disservice to our beautiful world and to our creator and to God and to all the good stuff that we have out there. We're just letting them suck our peace and our joy away from us. And, and that's not right. So don't let them win. Um, find a club volunteer, you know, there's, we, the famous book bowling alone that was years ago, but we've seen that like even 20 worse. years ago almost. Now. Yeah. Probably. And that was, that was starting to be a crisis way back then. And then we had COVID and it's gotten even worse. So, um, yeah, I encourage people just to like get outside and, and, uh, infuse your life with goodness and beauty and virtue and 
other people who are like-minded find a community and uh, don't let the woke bullies win. You know, cancel them before they cancel you. <laughs> gotcha. All right. Well, my usual exit question uh, for people that come on here is, you know, like what um, what would you like the audience to get out of the book, or you know, what would you what's the one thing you'd want a reader to take away from having read it? But that seemed to me like your last answer sort of fit that answer. But if there's anything else, um, like I said, that you you want people like the one thing you'd want people to take away from the book, what what would it be? If it's not that. I would encourage people not to be discouraged going off of what I just said. Um, in writing this book, it was super easy for me to find people to interview. I was looking for people who had woke proofed their lives or who were in the process of it in various categories in education, in moving somewhere that's uh, not woke, um, in starting a garden and doing all these things. And it was really easy. Once I found one, they'd have like five people they knew for me to talk to. And those people would have five more people as well, you know. So growing a community, all you really have to do is like find the one person or a couple people. And from there, your world will really just blossom. So just don't be discouraged. Um, pray about it. If you're feeling called to this woke proof life, um, <laughs> I can tell you that it's really rewarding and fulfilling and awesome not to be stressed out by the wokeness, which is annoying and we do have to deal with it, but it doesn't have to be as bad as the woke uh, people want it to be. So keep yeah, up I, your spirits. I like the gardening idea. I mean, my mother used to like garden all the time when I was a kid and I used to, yeah, I mean, not just like flowers and stuff, but you know, vegetables and, and, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff that I used to help with. But I live in Florida now and like, I like the idea, like I said, I like the idea of it just from having done it as a kid. And, you know, I mean, I'm, I mean, my family's English, so I mean, it's just sort of in the blood, you know, um, <laughs> But, uh, but, you know, down here in Florida, everything, uh, can eat bites or like is poisonous and can kill you. And <laughs> like, there's just like so many like more bugs that are just like not, um, not nice, you know, as compared to New Jersey or Pennsylvania. Um, you know, They're like, bugs. <laughs> no, but I mean like, you know, in, uh, you know, in up North, you just have bees and hornets and we have yeah. ticks man oh okay. ticks okay yeah, ticks. ticks. okay yeah all right <laughs> but i mean you don't have like you know fire ants and uh, all kinds of other just not we are my... a little more civil our bugs are more civilized <laughs> yeah yeah like i can you know i like if i go lay out in my, on my lawn you know for more than like 20 minutes like something is going to come along and, and bite me and cause me serious pain you know what i mean like i can't just yeah. like i can't just like lay out on the lawn and daydream and look at the clouds and uh you know i have to go to the beach to do that uh, <laughs> like, like I, can't, I can't do it but um yeah, yeah but i i so the point being i guess is just i wish i could garden but florida is just not a and i know some people well, that like do it uh like my mom would still like 
like you know plant flowers and shit like that but like i just can't like i just yeah can't be bothered. i do say in the book that if everybody in america had a garden all of our problems would go away because it would get us away from all the strife and the turmoil it would get you outside which is mm-hmm. amazing for you it would put us back in the harmony of nature it would give us healthy food it would just it's just the best it's it's yeah, the solution it's just, it just but, and growing but, and just the the oh sorry yeah. just say the just growing something uh, uh, the re- uh, some sort of spiritual reward in that or um or even just like building something with your or fixing yeah. something uh you know it's like psychologically good for you spiritually good for yeah, you. yeah. There's, again there's so many studies that are like doing stuff with your hands doing something self-sufficient you know um adding to your repertoire of hey i can do this myself i don't have to call a guy or i don't have to buy a brand new bench or whatever it is i fixed it Mm -hmm. um so i do encourage everyone to try gardening even if it's just like a couple herb plants or a flower pot and on your windowsill something like that if you have bugs that are eating you like all you floridians um but apart from growing plants always always be growing something you know growing a family you're raising your son you're you're growing his virtue and his soul and his spirit um you're always you're growing a hobby maybe a talent a skill you picked up the banjo and you're learning that and you're you're uh, making your senses come alive and you're you're being a human rather than just sitting there absorbing um, woke news yeah or even like on on like devolving basically you know we get dumber when we use our smartphones whenever we sit there and we just like Get Grubhub. Oh, and- yeah, bef- sorry. Before we go, uh, that reminds me. I forgot. Your dad. Uh, tell everyone about your. I know we've already done our exit question and we've gone long, but tell everyone about your dad's outhouse theory. I thought this was. Clever. Oh, the outhouse theory. I love that. Yeah. So, um, his theory is basically that as we've gotten away from using outhouses and generally doing other kind of filthy things and uncomfortable things we've gotten soft and we've basically forgotten our own human filth you know you think about Mm. life a hundred years ago was like pretty gross but we were always coming in contact with our own um filth as humans and now we're pretty separated from that life is pretty sanitized and it used to be pretty humbling even for like fancy people to go to the bathroom and then you'd have to like tend the outhouse or you'd have to take like a really dusty bumpy awful carriage ride to see your friends and it was just it kind of like reminded you that you are filthy and lowly and um that you're gonna die and (laughs) put you Exactly. Yeah. So as we've gotten away from that and everybody has a pretty luxurious life now, you know, I think like 90% of people in America or more have a smart something like a smartphone or a smart TV. Um, we don't really have to suffer that much. Even people who are pretty poor have life's basic necessities and then some. Um, so we've gotten kind of soft, really soft, I would say, spoiled. And that leads us to be entitled. And that leads us to sit around and um, think about imaginary slights that our neighbors are not making. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it causes us to to make woke demands, like um, paying us $5 million because our great-great-great-grandfather happened to, you know, be a slave or, you know, things like that. So... 
Yeah, that's that's the outhouse theory where we're less humble than we used to be and we're spoiled rotten and now we now we're woke. <laughs> Short version. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. That's the uh, we'll we'll end it there, I guess, since like I guess we've already done our exit question and uh, we've gone so long. But uh, before we go, anything uh, anything else you want to plug other than the book? Uh, anything upcoming or social media, which you don't really have, or you want to plug the uh, website or Spectator, anything like that before we go? Yeah, the Spectator's my main gig, so if you guys want to check that out regularly, I write there on wokeness and all sorts of other fun topics. Not As... the American Spectator, the, the Spectator, Spectator, no, Spectator the spe- World. Spectator World, yeah, it's just thespectator.com. Um, I do freelance a few places now and then. You can check that out um, by basically Googling my name. (laughs) Or, um, yeah, as Tim said, the AmericanFrontPorch.com is my kind of blog portfolio where I collect my favorite writings. Um, There's also pictures of my dog there. I know you're all dying to see him. He's precious (laughs) and perfect in every way. Um, So make sure you check that out because I used to have social media and I hate social media. And so he's not on there anymore, which is a disservice to the world. Um, that's all I have to say. Maybe Thanks. you could just start a social media that's just Pitkin and just uh, just Pitkin photos. Yeah, I actually think Pitkin might be able to cure wokeness because everyone would be distracted by how cute he is that they wouldn't pay attention to any of the wokeness. That's a good idea. It's pretty brilliant. I can... I don't. I guess I didn't have to write this book at all. <laughs> all right. Well, again, that book is "Woke Proof Your Life: A Handbook on Escaping Modern Political Madness and Shielding Yourself and Your Family by Living a More Self-Sufficient, Fulfilling Life." Um, it is the only book I know of that uh, quotes uh, John Henry Newman and Henry Rollins, uh, <laughs> uh, along with you know the saints and uh, uh, books of the New Testament and. John Paul II and Pope Benedict XVI and Padre Pio. Slayer, I think Slayer's in there. (laughs) Yeah, Waylon Jennings and uh, Thomas Moore and Thomas Burton, Dolly Parton. Kenny Kenny Rogers. Simone Weil, uh, Cicero, who else? Uh, Ian Mackay of uh, Minor Threat, the the, uh, godfather of Straight Edge. My uh, dad, yeah. Your dad, uh, Chesterton, uh, Tolkien, I forget. Mm-hmm. Will Rogers, I think you had in there. So, um, yeah, yeah, all the good ones. <laughs> all the good ones, right. You know, all the, all the, you know, right next to each other where you'd expect them to be. Like I always, <laughs> I always expect to have uh, Ian MacKay right next to uh, Mother Teresa and, uh, you know, Chesterton. So uh, anyway, so <laughs> it's a really great little book on, um, on sort of uh, this problem we are facing uh today in our country and it's this sort of uh um this anomie and uh, uh just uh ill feeling everyone seems to have and uh it's a very very good uh uh primer and a guide on ways to uh combat that and to uh you know live lives of purpose and meaning and uh that are fulfilling and uh one ones that um you know help uh help ourselves and our community and our neighbors and uh, to to just really uh bring everybody to a uh a higher plane basically so not to sound too uh, uh hippie-ish on that one but uh that's basically <laughs> but anyway so yeah again the book uh, woke proof your life a handbook on escaping modern political madness and shielding yourself and your family by living a more self-sufficient fulfilling life uh, the author, uh, Miss Teresa Mole. 
Tess, thank you again so, so much for, uh, for coming on the podcast and, and also for uh, writing the book and, and uh, sharing it with us. We, uh, we appreciate it. Thank you. Both of those projects were, uh, were a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And again, if you like this podcast, please consider leaving us a five-star review and sharing with your friends. And if you have uh, any questions, comments, or what have you, uh, you know, if you, any books that are out there that you'd like to see discussed in the podcast, you can uh, reach out to me at uh, tbensonandheartland.org. That's uh, T-B-E-N-S-O-N at heartland.org. And uh, for more information about the Heartland Institute, you can just go to heartland.org. And uh, speaking of social media, uh, Boo Hiss, we do uh, actually <laughs> have a, uh, a Twitter account for the podcast. Um, <clears throat> so you can reach out to us there. Like I said, if you have any questions or comments or anything, feel free to give us a follow, uh, you know, send us a DM, anything like that. Our, um, Twitter handle, or even, I don't even know if it's Twitter anymore. It's going to be like X or something like that. Uh, X.com or something ridiculous, whatever Elon Musk is doing. Anyway. Um, I don't even know if, will they be called tweets anymore? Will they, like, how is that going to work? Anyway. Um, yeah, yeah. So our Twitter slash X handle uh, slash whatever it will be whenever this is released. <laughs> X-rated is, content. <laughs> uh, X-rated content at uh, at Illbooks at I L L Books. So uh, make sure you check that out. And uh, that's pretty much it. So uh, thank you again for listening, everyone. We'll see you guys next time. Take care. Love you, Robbie. Love you, Mom. Bye bye. You say you love me, and it's inviting to go where life is more exciting. But I was raised on country sunshine I was raised on country sunshine Green grass beneath my feet Running through fields of daisies Wading through the creek You love me and it's inviting To go where life is more exciting But I was raised on country sunshine I was raised on country sunshine